1: The canon of truth at strongholds of stupidity. Who, who are black people supposed to call Ghostbusters? So we need to stop that beef on or imposed the cops crap. This is the Vince Coakley radio program.
2: And good morning. Welcome to the broadcast. And yes, it's time to say it. Happy Friday. I hope you are as excited as I am about the weekend ahead. I want to begin. At a place where it's also a great opportunity to remind us all the importance of local and state politics. This is where some of these key battles that are going on in the country right now, this is where they're really taking place on the state level. I give the example, for instance, of Florida. I applaud the courage of Governor Ron DeSantis and taking on some hot-button issues. Yet some very important issues as it relates to parents having control over the education of their children. It's really pretty straightforward. And now we have another issue that I'm pleased to see the North Carolina legislature is picking this up again. Headline in Indy Week. Republican lawmakers revive... Anti-critical race theory bill. I'm thrilled. CRT is an academic discipline that examines how racism has shaped the nation's legal and social systems. Educators say CRT is not taught in America's K-12 schools. That is one of the biggest lies. I, I don't know where they get this from. I really don't. Nonetheless... There's a bill filed by Republicans. It was filed yesterday. It would prevent educators from promoting critical race theory to students. House Bill 187. It's like a bill that was filed by Republicans back in 2021, vetoed by Governor Roy Cooper. Now, House Bill 187 has much of the same language as the previous bill, House Bill 324. It would, for example... Prohibit teachers from promoting concepts that suggest America is racist. Or that people are inherently racist or sexist. It would also prohibit teaching that whites or anyone else are responsible for the sins of their forefathers. Is there anybody within the sound of my voice that disagrees with any of these things? It's really that straightforward. And this is not about information. Nobody is saying we should not tell people about slavery, about Jim Crow, that's not the point of this legislation. You can talk about these things. But to suggest America is racist at the core is an opinion. That's not fact. Or that people are inherently racist or sexist. That again, those ideas are opinions, not facts whites or anyone else are responsible for the sins of their forefathers anybody want to call me right now and i say call do not text me do not text me and complain about what i just said or complain about this bill have the courage to call in if you disagree with this and tell me why we should have people in the classroom telling children that america's racist tell me why We should tell children that people are inherently racist or sexist. Tell me why we should tell children they are responsible for the sins of their forefathers. If passed into law, 187 would also prevent educators from teaching that an individual solely by virtue of his race... Or sex bears responsibility for actions committed in the past by other members of the same race or sex. I, I don't even understand how somebody with a brain could veto something like this. Because this is all about ideology. That's what they, this is. And I'm sure Cooper is going to veto this simply because he's going to pander to the racists. Yes, I said it who want to keep racial conflict and animus going. It's kind of funny to hear from the detractors. Including Roy Cooper, here's what he had to say. The legislature should be focused on supporting teachers, helping students recover lost learning, and investing in our public schools. Instead, this bill pushes calculated, conspiracy-latent politics into public education. No, you, sir! And people like you are the ones who have put these things into schools. You're the ones who have done this. We're trying to purge this out and get back to education, away from propaganda. Now the good news is, a veto might be more difficult this time around. Republicans have enough votes in the Senate to override Cooper's veto. The GOP is only one vote short in the House. Hopefully they can pull this off. According to Education Week, since January 2021, 44 states have introduced bills or taken other steps to restrict teaching critical race theory or limit how teachers discuss racism and sexism. Absolutely. It's time. These battles are being fought again on the state level. Some educators worried this could have a chilling effect on what they teach. Yes, it should. You teach the facts, you're not going to have a problem. Rodney Pierce, social studies teachers, Red Oak Middle School, Battleboro, noted the bill sponsor, Representative John Torbett, a Gaston County Republican, introduced House Bill 187 during Black History Month. Before I go any further, who gives a freaking deal? When it's introduced. What is sacrosanct? In fact, I would dare say, if we're really going to honor black history, let's honor the people who have never bought into victimology throughout the entire history of our republic. People like Frederick Douglass. Former slave. Anyway. Pierce says the sponsors of this bill sent the message they don't want any discussions of race in the classroom that makes white students uncomfortable. However, their ultimate goal is to remove the rights to a free public education from the state constitution's declaration of rights. This is just the latest attempt to get there. You want to talk about conspiracy theories? What a a brain-dead idea. Durham activist Paul Scott noted, Section 187 in the California Penal Code defines the crime of murder, and the number 187 has become slang for murder. This is appropriate, since some gangsta politicians want to kill the cultural education of black children. This is not cultural education, Mr. Scott. This is dumbing down our children and passing on grievance to another generation. No, no, no. As a black man, I'm saying, let's Kill this garbage in our schools. And you're. Shame on you. If you want to put this garbage. Around the necks of our children. Instead of educating them. That's what I think. If you have a contrary view. Call me. And I'm serious about this. Do not text me. Call me. Let's have a conversation if you disagree. Folks this is. Common sense. But as you well know, common sense isn't all too common. (laughs) Much more as we continue our Friday broadcasting, including some uh, unfortunate news on inflation. Stay with us. Like to join the conversation, the GS Plumbing Talk Line, 809 Trade 809 Trade the Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. And right off the top here on that text line, this texture says, Don't forget about. Dr. Walter E. Williams and Dr. Thomas Sowell, two of the greatest socioeconomic minds of our times, completely ignored by the legacy liberal media. If those black men had been Democrats, they would have each had their own shows on MSNBC and CNBC. Pretty good chance. These guys are brilliant. Giants. It's the ones who vote against this, the ones who don't stand for the national anthem or the pledge. A lot of people don't care what race you are. We're sick and tired of being continually struck by the, you're a racist stick. Yeah. It gets old after a while, doesn't it? Discontinuously. Critical race theory isn't taught in schools. The curriculum is the same, but they change the name. Well, there you go. It is the same thing. We will continue to follow this to see where it ends up. Something else that encourages me. I told you I am very eager to see a vigorous discussion of ideas. And what that means is new people entering into the picture because, you know, it gets kind of old to hear the same stuff from the same people over and over and over again. So, again, I'm not endorsing anybody, but I, I love to hear creative ideas for dealing with things. I don't know about you. Don't you get tired of seeing a continuation of policies that don't work? Are you willing to give something new a chance? Like all the complaining we've done about fentanyl. We know how dangerous this is. It's crazy. The crisis this has turned into. So how do we address this? Ideally, at the supply point, rather than dealing with it on this side of the border. Well, enter one Vivek Ramaswamy, the latest to throw his hat in the ring in the race for president. By the way, I'd love to read his book. He's got a couple of that are out. He had some interesting things to say in a social media post about dealing with drug cartels. I think it's worth listening to. And this is the kind of thing, again, we need to have a vigorous discussion about. Rather than just, you know, sitting around and whining and complaining and continuing policies that clearly aren't working, why don't we step it up? And Vivek may actually have a great idea here. Here's what he had to say.
1: I am still yet to get a good answer from anyone on why we can't just do this to solve the cartel problem and the fentanyl problem. Use military investment and actually our, yes, military force to decimate the cartels. That solves the actual fentanyl problem in one fell swoop. It's a supply side driven issue. China, China exports raw materials to the cartels. They actually produce fentanyl and then send it across the southern border. That is a major problem in the United States today. 100,000 deaths per year, 80% of which comes from Southern border crossings. We can actually do something about it. And if you're talking about using the US military for anything, it is top of the list, protecting our home turf, our soil here at home in America. That is part of what it means to put America first. It is part of what it means to protect America, period. And the thing that surprised me across New Hampshire is that, you know I talked to a lot of people, not just conservatives, libertarians, people of a wide range of political persuasions. It's a state with a lot of independent, free-thinking people, which I love. I don't love partisan labels anyway. I think they're mostly useless. Is that this makes sense to people. And the fact that this alienates the defense establishment as much as it does tells me that it's probably actually a pretty good idea. And we need to get to the bottom of why the defense establishment believes that you can't say this in polite company. I am increasingly convinced that one of the first things I need to do as president is tell President Obrador, you know what, the drug cartels are your sugar daddy. There's a new daddy in town. You're either going to get this done and we will help you or we will come in there and do this for you and actually get it done in one fell swoop. Wow.
2: That's pretty aggressive, isn't it? Now, if I'm hearing this correctly, you're saying, look, we're going to we're going to help you out in decimating these drug cartels in your country. But if you don't want to cooperate, we'll come in anyway and get the job done. (laughs) That's pretty aggressive. Can you imagine the United Nations would not like this? How dare you violate the sovereignty of another country, which they participate in every day by their refusal on their side of the border to keep people inside their own country? Because the truth of the matter is, you know this and I know this, they benefit economically from all of the folks who illegally immigrate to America. So much of this money ends up right back in Mexico. That's not a secret. Everybody knows that. What do you think of Vivek's idea that we put the military on the job? Hmm. (laughs) <laughs> over on the text line Vivek is making some sense so he doesn't have a chance we only vote for people that promise things that will never happen and are all BS isn't that true another texture in the upstate why stop there just take over Mexico and make it the 51st state <laughs> do we really want that I'm shh, man One of the major reasons people are flocking to the United States is our economy. And right now, our economic situation isn't so great. Associated Press reporting this morning, the Federal Reserve's preferred inflation gauge rose last month at its fastest pace since June. So let me get this straight. We've seen the Fed raising interest rates to get inflation under control, and now... We've got a faster pace for inflation than we did before. Goes back to June. Alarming sign that price pressures remain entrenched in the U.S. economy and could lead the Fed to keep raising interest rates well into this year. Consumer prices up 0.6% from December to January. Up sharply from a 0.2% increase from November to December. On a year-over-year basis, prices rose 5.4%. Up from a 5.3% annual increase in December. Excluding volatile food and energy prices, so-called core inflation, up 0.6% from December. Consumer spending, up 1.8% last month from December after falling previous month. And this data shows that... This was beyond the expectations of those who forecast these kinds of things, meaning their hopes that inflation's under control. Well, those hopes have been dashed yet again. I'm sure you're not shocked. (laughs) I'm certainly not. Still to come, an update on the Murdoch trial going on in South Carolina and a warning to the United Kingdom that we ought to take heed of right here in America. Stay with us.
1: Is the Vince Coakley radio program. If you'd like to join the conversation, call Vince on the GS Plumbing talk line at 800-928-1110. That's 800-928-1110. Or text the Common Sense Retirement Planning text line at 71307. Now, back to Vince. And over on that text line,
2: we have this. Vince, Vince knows like guns. Not a drug problem. It's a people problem. I've never seen a fentanyl pill jump into someone's mouth. <laughs> really? Vince, I support that plan. Referring to Vivek's plan. 100%. Go after the drug cartels. Go further. You know, China, they sell this crap. Tell them, we're coming after you. I'm tired of China. I'm tired of all the BS. I know I'm not advocating open war. Maybe that's what needs to happen. Hmm. This sounds exactly like the plan Trump stated. He was ridiculed as a nut job for threatening military action, special operations. A lot of consequences, this texture says. Also, this about our economy. Maybe this is Biden's plan. Destroy the U.S. economy. And no one will want to come over the border well, you can't get future voters that way. We created the cartels via "We're the government. We're here to help you." Oh boy! On the inflation front, Chris out of Shelby has some great news for us. The price of eggs going down. I got a dozen and a half yesterday at Ingalls for four thirty-eight. I mean, could you imagine a year, year and a half ago, somebody told you you'd be paying over four dollars for? A dozen eggs? This is crazy. Great idea on the way to deal with drug cartels. It will never happen because I contend there are too many elites and certain alphabet agencies raking in profits from the sale of these drugs. No one's going to kill that cash cow. I guarantee you. Unfortunately, it's never going to happen. All right. This person making the point, too, that one of the problems... You've got pills laced with fentanyl. This is, for that person who tried to portray this as a pro-choice issue compared to guns, yes, there are many cases where people are not aware that they're getting fentanyl. That's what's dangerous. This person, oh, that's crazy. Fentanyl as the death drug for death row? Oh, boy. That's kind of crazy. But, hey, we allow all ideas here, even some of the ones that might be defined as crazy. Yesterday, we spent a good deal of this program letting you hear the testimony from one Alec Murdoch, who is testifying in Walterboro, South Carolina. That testimony continuing today, just to bring you up to speed so you don't have to watch, because you're not missing anything. He's spending a good bit of time this morning, and, in fact, all the time I've seen and listened, they are dealing with the money issues, all of the money that Murdoch stole from clients, the money he borrowed, um, the uh, fluctuating income over the years. I mean, there are years they he made over a million dollars. Other years, he didn't do as well. And he acknowledged on the, on the stand, he stole money from people that uh, money that did not belong to him. And right now he's talking about his drug problem and how he tried to hide this from his family. All of this is designed for one purpose. And, in fact, as I sat and watched part of this this morning, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, um, you know, if I'm a juror, I'm probably glazing over. But the whole idea here is to try to make this man look sympathetic. That's the goal. In fact, I've seen some pretty uh spirited conversations between Murdoch and his own attorney. You know, there are points where the attorney seems like he's a little frustrated with the rabbit trails that Murdoch is going down and talking about his family and stories, and at some point it's like overkill. But he kept going anyway. So, anyway, I just thought you would find that interesting. Uh, Nothing spectacular going on with the trial this morning. They're in the defense phase of this. And the clear goal here is to make this guy look like, you know, an upstanding citizen. Despite the fact. See, this is the other part that's interesting. In making all the admissions that he's making, he is acknowledging that he has lied to people repeatedly. So he's been dishonest and he's stolen from people, but he wants to make sure you understand that he's not a killer. That's really the theme of the defense. So there you go. Uh, By the way, back on the text line, before we move on, this is an interesting text from someone who's a farmer, apparently. We raise laying hens. Our feed cost is nearly doubled in the last year. The egg farms replaced the birds, they lost a the bird flu, so egg prices, they're coming down. But feed and transportation costs are going to keep them higher than normal for the foreseeable future. Hmm <laughs> Someone commenting on the Murdoch story. Murdoch stole millions over many years, has a huge drug problem, lies about everything, tried to hire someone to shoot him, had a total disregard for moral behavior, but he would never kill anyone? <laughs> yeah. This is what the jury will have to deal with very, very soon. We talked earlier about the possibility of using the military to get involved With our drug cartel problem. Mainly in Mexico. But we've got another war that's already going on. As you're well aware. What is happening in Ukraine. With this in mind. It's not surprising. Breitbart reporting on how the UK defense secretary is warning war is coming to Britain. And demanding more military spending. Ben Wallace is his name, the Secretary of Defense, warning war is coming to Britain, redoubling demands that the government commit to more military spending, saying the world is definitely more dangerous, more unstable, more insecure. Therefore, the government has to commit to increasing the defense budget of the nation. He said conflicts coming by the end of the decades, whether it's a Cold War or Hot War, War is coming. We have to recognize, in order to deter, you have to be ready. You have to be equipped. You have to stand with your friends, your allies. We need a greater proportion of the public spending on defense. Warning the conflict in Ukraine could last for another year. We're not in for a period. We're in until you defeat Russia and Ukrainians can go home. Next month is the crucial time for this battle in the United Kingdom over military spending. The government's finance chief will release the spring budget, reminding people freedom is not free. Are they going to spend what they need to to defend themselves? Who knows? But I think it's a fair warning. If they are preparing for war, they think it's coming to them. What do you think the odds that's going to happen over there and not affect us? Pretty slim. Stay with us. Still to come, we have Faith Focus Friday and another item on revival. As we see the events of Asbury wind down Trying to, uh, well, let's go here next, because I mentioned the possibility and concern about war, the United Kingdom concerned about war, the more immediate threat to the United States of America, communist China. We've learned that the troop presence in Taiwan is getting ramped up. Now, the numbers are still relatively small that we're talking about, but there's a reason for this. U.S. planning to more than quadruple the number of troops in Taiwan, part of an effort to harden the island against a potential invasion by China. (laughs) When I saw the numbers here, isn't it amazing how headlines can seem so deceptive? And this isn't deceptive, but the numbers are really small. The U.S. is going to deploy between 100 and 200 troops to the island in the coming months. There are only 30 there now. The larger force will expand a training program. The Pentagon has taken pains not to publicize as the U.S. works to provide Taipei with the capabilities it needs to defend itself without provoking Beijing. The number of American troops, which has included Special Operations Forces and U.S. Marines, has fluctuated by a handful during the past few years. The planned increase will be the largest deployment of forces in decades by the U.S. on Taiwan as the two draw closer to counter China's growing military power. So there's a reason we're increasing our presence in Taiwan. The threat is definitely recognized. And I've warned you here on this program. I think what they're seeing out of the United States of America right now is weakness. And they see opportunity. My concern is they may take that opportunity before January 2025. When the new president is sworn in. Whoever that person is. That's my concern anyway. I want to quickly get to something we didn't have time for yesterday. Because of all of the Murdoch trial coverage. Uh, Donald Trump upstaged the transportation secretary. And I think it's the reason he rushed to go the day after. Uh, Donald Trump actually went to visit... The site of that train derailment and the release of chemicals that has so many people concerned Uh, I want to quickly get to this first off Donald Trump communicating his reason for going to uh, the town of East Palestine Ohio the idea behind this to show support here's Donald Trump
3: we're here today in East Palestine to show our love and support for our fellow Americans and this hour of need and that's what it is. It was an hour of a need but they've done some incredible work in a very short period of time and they're getting a lot of credit for it and they have to be getting credit. We tell you that to the people of East Palestine and to the nearby communities in Ohio and Pennsylvania, uh, we have told you loud and clear you are not forgotten. You are not forgotten. We stand with you. We pray for you. and we. We'll stay with you in your fight to help answer and the accountability that you deserve. We'll have that accountability. It'll all be out there very clearly. Norfolk Southern needs to fulfill its responsibilities and obligations. And I see that they're starting to come here now too because they also were saying they're not coming. But it means that the affected communities beyond the borders of East Palestine Palestine are uh, going to be taken care of. And they've said so and they've said it loud and clear. And I think they probably mean it. I sincerely hope that when your representatives and all of the politicians get here, including Biden, they get back from touring Ukraine, that he's got some money left over. If they don't come back and give you the treatment that you need, we will be back. Uh, The Biden administration should ensure that every family has the option of moving and homes and everything else until this thing is straightened out.
2: You notice how he says Biden's a Biden. (laughs) Not any love lost there at all. One of the things that Donald Trump and and I applaud him for this. I know there's controversies going on on the Internet. How old is this water? Uh, I'm not getting into that. But one of the things that Donald Trump spoke of, the fact he had water delivered to the folks in East Palestine. Listen up.
3: But we're bringing a lot of water, thousands of bottles and we have it in trucks and we brought some on my plane today. But to that end, I'm pleased to announce that we've helped coordinate the delivery of the water and bottled water as uh, well as the tractor trailers full of it. We have big tractor trailers full of water. I think you're going to have plenty of water for a long time, maybe. Thank you all very much for being here. It's a great honor. It's an honor to help, and you're well on your way. And that was a tragedy, uh, close to an unbelievable tragedy. could have been really bad, and uh, thank goodness that didn't happen. But you're going to have tremendous help now, and I know FEMA will do the job like nobody can do it like them. Thank you all very much.
2: We may get to another piece of audio. We don't have time for for the break, where he uh, pretty much took a shot at Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. Uh, In fact, we've got to get to that. Uh, We'll do that before Faith Focus Friday on the other side. I love the way he uh, has a little bit of fun with the uh, transportation secretary. Faith Focus Friday, we'll talk about revival and uh, a little bit of a personal story as well. That was also planning to get to yesterday. uh, An update on some things going on with family. That much more on the Vince Coakley radio program. Stay with us
1: is the Vince Coakley Radio Program.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: From the heart of the Carolinas, challenging the smug, misinformed arrogance of the left. The trouble with our liberal friends is not that they're ignorant, It's just that they know so much that isn't so. This is the Vince Coakley radio program.
2: And welcome to our number two on this happy Friday. Before the break, you heard from President Donald Trump, who visited East Palestine to provide some support to bring in some water. This was just brilliant. I mean, everything about this was just well done. Well executed by former President Donald Trump. Vince said something complimentary about Donald Trump. It's a miracle. <laughs> I wanted to have a, a little bit of fun with one of the last things. The final piece of audio I have from Donald Trump and his visit to East Palestine the other day. One of the allegations that the, this administration is just so good at, and they're not the only ones, they don't have monopoly on this. But they love to blame the Trump administration for loosened regulations that made this accident possible. It's just pathetic. So rather than me explain this, um, let's let Donald Trump hit back on this and have a little fun. Kind of take a couple of shots at Pete Buttigieg, the transportation secretary, uh, as he's asked about loosened regulations. Listen up.
3: No, I had nothing to do with it. I had nothing to do. No, he's got to work in the airports. We've never had airports like this. We're like a third, a third world nation, and this is an example of it. The breakdown, whole breakdown. Our whole country is breaking down and he's really got to look at the airports because i have people that taking planes and they end up they're delayed they're waiting in an airport for three days it's crazy what's happening
0: are you shocked he hasn't come here yet
3: oh well, he should have uh, been here a long time ago boot edge edge you know what you call him boot edge edge that's the way uh he should have been here a long time ago now he was supposed to come today but he heard i was coming today and he postponed it but whenever he comes he's got to do his job and if we didn't come, they never would have come. They made a statement. They will. They will not come. When he showed that I was coming, Pop, you know what happened? I know. He said know. we better get people there right away. Right. So, and FEMA's this- great. You know, I had a great relationship with FEMA. FEMA. So as they get the job done, that's all it got it. And they want. The what do you think of them blaming
4: you for some of the problems
3: with the rail? Uh, it's actually hard to believe. I, every time I see something, I said, When will they blame Trump? Now we. They, I suppose they'll blame us for the border. They actually tried that for about an hour. That didn't work. So, we have a border that's a disaster and they're responsible for destroying they are destroying systematically destroying our country he knows better than anybody but they're systematically destroying our country and it's a shame and boot edge edge should have been here already
2: (laughs) boot edge edge (laughs) I it's, it's hilarious that is actually funny and I think one of the things that made this visit and what I'm able to see of the visit so impactful is Donald Trump's under control here. He's not unhinged, not just doing silly, stupid stuff. This was well executed. Well executed. This texture saying, Vince, you might not want to hear this. My two winners for the week Governor Ron DeSantis and President Donald Trump. DeSantis going to these liberal cities and states, making a statement that he's about what he's done. That's a winner. Trump very presidential in how he handled East Palestine. I wish he was still president. That from Jeff. We also have this. I applaud Donald Trump for shining the light on the idiotic way the left has totally blown it on this chemical disaster under their incompetent watch. I'm praying for this country that I love. Good people need to speak out. Stand up. Do not be afraid. Thanks, Vince. You stand up every day. Well, thank you. And hopefully we'll continue to do so as long as I have breath in me. I want to give you a little bit of a personal update before I get into Faith Focus Friday. I I think I mentioned to you last week that my mother suffered a stroke. She's 91 years old. And last week, I immediately uh, flew to Kentucky to spend some time with her um, and went back again this week. I get my days all mixed up. I think it was Wednesday, right after the show. Uh, Believe it or not, I got a 1 o'clock flight, which is absolutely crazy, to rush to the airport, get through. Thank God for TSA pre-check. Thank God for that actually got there right in time for them to board my group and uh winch kentucky saw my mother um confirmed she was actually going to get out of the hospital she had been there uh, since last week she was released on wednesday into uh rehab so i am very relieved um to experience that it was kind of entertaining we uh I think they were supposed to take her to the center at about five o'clock and my sister and I spent some time the afternoon with mom and we went to dinner and thinking that okay while we're gone to dinner they'll get mom moved well we went to dinner we came back and went to the rehab center and I pointed over and I said "Um, take a look over there (laughs) the van the ambulatory van that was bringing my mother to the rehab center was just pulling up (laughs) so I'm so glad we didn't wait for that Um, but she has gotten settled in there she is recovering well still alert Um, so much better than I first feared in hearing about this and so it was good to see her established and set up where she is and uh, actually, return came back Wednesday evening. Um, so, um, very, very thankful that. And I appreciate those of you who are praying for mom. Uh, and I ask that you continue. Fair enough? I uh, want to quickly get to Faith Focus Friday. I think we have time for this. I decided to stretch this out. Um, A couple of quick items I want to give you one of them I'm not sure you have heard what's happened with the Church of England same-sex marriages will receive prayers for God's blessing for the first time in the Church of England this is after a vote by the General Synod the legislative body of the established Church of England the three houses voted in favor of officially recognizing gay marriages for the first time with priests now empowered to give their blessings to such unions. The vote was overwhelmingly approved by the House of Bishops supporting the measure. The vote was 36 to 4. Two members abstained. However, the issue was far more contested among the lower houses of the synod, with the House of Clergy backing the measure by a vote of 111 to 85. So that's a lot closer. Three abstentions on that. And by the House of Laity, which supported the move 103 to 92. Again, close there. A margin of only 11 votes. Five people abstained. But the bottom line gay marriage now officially receiving the blessing of the Church of England. I know that will cause many of you to manifest. So um, this is the, uh, I'm, I'm just acknowledging this is the process of progressivism. Because I've said to you before, progressivism is not just a matter of the world. It's also happening in the church. And People are deriving their beliefs, their values, systems from the world. And this is why the culture of the church is changing just like it is the rest of society. Another quick item from Faith Focus Friday straight ahead right here. Back on the Vince Coakley radio program. Over on the text line. Vince, your mom went to rehab. John Fetterman went to the campaign trail. Prayers for your mother. That is Chris out of Earl. You know, you hit something on the head. that It it was going on in my mind. And, And it was not only thinking of my mother, but also a friend of mine. Now, my mother... Is 91 years old and I'm not downplaying my mother's stroke my mom is is elderly I've got a friend who's in his 30s I believe had a stroke and one of the things he's dealing with is depression it's one thing when you're old and you have a stroke. And, I'm not, and, again, I'm not downplaying how bad it is to have a stroke. Fortunately, the symptoms in my mother's case don't seem to be that pronounced. It's worse. And, and I, you know, honestly, the symptoms seem to have affected my friend worse than my mother. And he's a younger man, which really has caused him to become depressed. I think you see where I'm going with this. Um, it's a big struggle. Fetterman has no business being in office. That's the last place he needs to be It's not just a matter of his health, but it's also mental health That's just not the place to be It's a dark place When you experienced a heart attack or a stroke that early in life It really jacks with your mind really does and I strongly question anybody's ability to be able to deal with that and the rigors of being in a political office like the center of the house. You just it's just not appropriate. And, and I repeat what I've said before. I've said the same thing about the president, even though he ostensibly is not having any definable medical conditions. I, I stand by what I've said before. Their wives are what they have done is despicable by encouraging and allowing this behavior and allowing their spouses to be used as political pawns and really prioritizing that over their health because that's exactly what's happened here you know that and I know that it's really disgusting for the last couple of weeks I've been sharing snippets of a really good article in the Atlantic American Christianity due for revival it's by Tim Keller and as I started going through this, I thought, you know, this is overkill to try to go through all of this on one program. So what I've done is I've just shared portions of this with you. And I think it's interesting in light of the fact, for those of you who have not heard, they pretty much exported the what was purported to be a revival off the campus of... Wilmore University off-campus to other locations, I understand that there may be something underway, even at my old school, Eastern Kentucky University in Richmond. But in as part of the broader discussion, and I think it's rather timely that this article has come out from Tim Keller, because what Tim Keller is concerned about, what I am concerned about, is not an event it's not emotions it's not manifestations I'm all about the presence of God I really am I'm all about supernatural manifestation of God's presence but the most important place where that manifests itself is in our hearts in a transformation that takes place inside and affects the way that we live and the way we engage one another if that does not happen I'm frankly not interested In long services, and I know this is going to be offensive to some people, Uh, for me an hour is torment in many of these so-called church services. So for one to go on for days and days and days, and especially if there's no real substantive transformation of what we are doing from day to day, because folks, that's the key thing. That's what I have to question. I'm not judging anybody, anybody else and what they're doing. I'm just communicating what I'm looking for, which is substance. Tim Keller, in his recommendations for real revival and what he's looking for, he says the church can grow again if it strikes a dynamic balance between innovation and conserve and conservation. A church must conserve historic Christian teaching if a church simply adopts the beliefs of the culture it will die because it has nothing unique to offer but the church has always especially in times when the faith seemed moribund introduced unexpected innovations there was no such thing as monasticism through which pagan northern Europe was turned Christian until there was. There was no reformation until there was. There was no revival that turned Methodists and Baptists into culturally dominant forces in the Midwestern and Southeastern United States until there was. There was no East African revival led primarily by African people that helped turn Africa from a 9% Christian continent in 1900 into a 50% Christian continent today until there was. Christianity like its founder does not go from strength to strength but from death to resurrection that is the most important line in this entire thing and this is the question I have to ask us what kind of deaths are we willing to experience to see the kind of resurrection power and true revival that will be, bring honor and glory to God first and have impact Not from strength to strength, from death to resurrection, which means some of the things that we're doing now, they need to die. This is not about preserving our systems, our organizations, our structures. In fact, quite the contrary. We need to be willing to let anything and everything die for the sake of the gospel. That's strong to say, but I think what a lot of people want Is we want God to bless. What we're currently doing. And bring in more people. And I would dare say. In many cases. God loves people too much. To subject them. To some of our garbage. And our baggage. He does. He didn't die on a cross. For people to go from. Bondage in the world. To. To religious bondage I welcome your thoughts on what I have shared here It's not really that radical revolutionary. It's just frankly basic stuff if we're transformed You know the idea is for us to be in a state of revival all the time Yes, there are seasons of refreshing I get that but Are those rivers of living water they're supposed to flow from us? Do we have to wait for a special service for that? I don't think so. Coming up, we'll talk about 2024 and (laughs) the grand jury in Georgia. Stay with us.
1: This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. If you'd like to join the conversation, call Vince on the G.S. Plumbing talk line at 800-928-1110. That's 800-928-1110. Or text the Common Sense Retirement Planning text line at 71307. Now back to Vince. And over
2: on that text line in response to the Church of England blessing gay marriages... This person saying the church is more concerned, much more concerned with worldly things than following the gospel of Christ. I think that's been the case for many of these institutions for quite some time. On the subject of revival, this person saying, so we shouldn't have revivals. Now I get it. Thanks. And my point is, and, and I want to make my position very clear, I'm not at all trying to tell anybody what to do. I am very eager to communicate what I believe is a true kingdom of God value, which is transformative change from the inside out, where we walk in a revived state all the time. It doesn't mean you're going to feel great all the time. But if Christ is in you, Christ in you is the hope of glory, that's the same no matter what happens in church services. And I think we've made too much of... Events and the show if God is moving and something is really taking place there. I don't take that away from anybody But I'm not looking for services That are going to have an impact I'm looking for Jesus to have an impact in the workplace On the streets in neighborhoods in homes That's the revival I'm looking for I hope this clarifies this Vince, you're making so much sense. I have really loved listening to your Faith Focus Friday. Thank you. I appreciate that. Your kind words. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I think I found text of the day from Jeff. Jeff, you're on it today. Basically, what you're saying, if the old man inside of you isn't dead, then there was no revival. and It was precious time wasted. I've been part of that many a times. Guilty. Great sermon as always. Pastor Coakley. That is from Jeff. Jeff, if you call me that again, I have your number. I'm just kidding. (laughs) You would not believe. I probably shouldn't go down this road. The abuse I take from friends of mine who have been calling me similar things. And uh, nonetheless, also, I... um, Uh, Those of you so inclined, I would appreciate your prayers. As on Sunday, on the serious side, uh, we're having a memorial service for Don Atkin, a person I very much considered a spiritual father. That's going to take place on Sunday. And to my surprise, I had a wonderful time of fellowship with Don's daughter and son-in-law over a meal yesterday. Just wonderful people. Also surprised to learn that I will be delivering a eulogy on Sunday so for those of us those of you who are so inclined I would appreciate your prayers about what I communicate in that event on Sunday uh, which I'm very honored to do for a man I had a great deal of love and respect for and um, just had such a tremendous impact on who I am today if you didn't like who I am today. You're concerned about who I am today. Just imagine who I was 10, 15 years ago. It was not as good. We'll just put it that way. (laughs) Um, I very quickly want to get to the grand jury in Georgia. As you know, they were looking into allegations against former president Donald Trump and efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election in Georgia. One of the things that's been happening since the release of some grand jury information is we've had a little bit of a media tour from a one Emily Coors. Have you seen this lady? She's a little off. In fact, I had another story about her uh, before I get to that. So they're expressing concerns that the things that she is saying could actually potentially taint the jury pool. And even if they come to a conclusion that there are indictments that are going to be issued. Now, the grand jury can recommend indictments. Ultimately, the decision has to be made by prosecutor. And the point has been made that this woman in her tour can be making, making it more difficult to actually succeed at a conviction. You might get a, uh, an indictment. It doesn't guarantee a conviction. So I want you to hear from Emily Coors, who's been characterized as a person who is very coy in the way she's dodged coming out and just saying whether they're indictments, who they're against, that sort of thing. Here is an exchange. I believe this took place on uh, CNN cable news network. Emily Coors on the subject of indictments.
0: Did you recommend charges against Donald Trump? I really
1: don't want to share something that the judge made a conscious decision not to share. I, I will tell you that it was a process where we heard his name a lot. Um, we definitely heard a lot about former President Trump. And we definitely discussed him a lot in the room. And I will say that uh, when this list comes out, you wouldn't, there are no major plot twists waiting for you.
2: No major plot twists. (laughs) I'm serious, folks. This is just... It's weird. Very, very weird. And then we have this story in the New York Post. Inside Trump grand jury four persons bonkers Pinterest account, which promotes, are you ready for this, witchcraft? The four woman... Of the Georgia grand jury tasked with probing allegations of interference in the 2020 elections by former President Donald Trump and his associates, has a bonkers Pinterest account featuring multiple references to witchcraft and magic spells. Multiple pins from a Pinterest board purportedly run by Emily Cores promoted literature about Wicca, witchcraft, and paganism, in addition to several pins devoted to spell casting. This revelation after Donald Trump took to his Truth Social platform Wednesday to accuse Coors of being involved in the greatest witch hunt of all time. The irony here is crazy, isn't it? <laughs> oh, my goodness. In one pen from two years ago that features a pentagram, a symbol of moder- modern occultism, Coors, who's 30 years old, shared how witches can protect themselves during their magic work by casting a circle. Another, another, <laughs> another suggests that beginner witches get started by acquiring sea salt, rosemary, quartz, and incense, among other things. By the way, she has 253 followers sharing information on the five types of witches described as cosmic, divination, kitchen, sea, and green witches. I'm so glad I know about this now. (laughs) Stay with us. Over on the text line, Vince, you're spot on. Your comments about revival, unfortunately, there'll be those who will not be able to understand because they have been blinded. By the way, one of the things, you know, and Steve Crosby's touched on this a number of times, a lot of the blindness comes in the form of things that make our world work. For instance, this religious system which is now threatened by disintegration because fewer and fewer people are involved. There's a vested financial interest in keeping this thing alive. I mean, we're just being honest about it. There are people's um, livelihoods that depend on A revival of the current system. Which is something I'm not interested in. I don't want a revival of that. So. That's all I have to say about that. On the subject of this. Four person for the jury. And the witchcraft. This texture says. Next thing. We'll see devil worship at the Grammys. (laughs) That was pretty good. Vince this four woman sounds like she might be kin to Marjorie Taylor Greene. Chris out of Shelby. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Really scary. What does it say about someone when they refer to real things that affect real people's lives as a plot twist? Yeah. As, as if a, a surprise ending to a movie or a novel. Just goes to show you the thought process of these people and their disregard of how they do affect our lives. You know, I, I've heard several discussions about this on different programs, and, you know, they were all kind of saying the same kinds of things because it is kind of scary to think of how your fate could be determined by people who, frankly, are not very smart or are really cuckoo. I'm just saying. <laughs> this, this is uh, clear evidence of that all right folks time for us to take a look at the day in history how are you doing Christopher well
4: I'm a little worried about the witches now <laughs> how so explain that to us yeah well I wonder you, you explained that there were levels of witch right right there were what constitutes a green witch because I was raised to believe that being green was part of being a witch <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, uh, to me, a witch is Margaret Hamilton from Wizard of Oz. Why don't Why don't you do some research on this and get back to us so we can have
2: a better understanding of this? And what category would would Samantha, for instance, go into from from Bewitched?
4: Well, uh, that's what I'd be curious to find yeah. out. I guess yeah. I I don't, I don't know. Uh, she was a she was a domestic witch. <laughs> Oh my goodness. A house witch. This is uh I I yeah. I better dive out of this <laughs> one. I was I was about we to can have some, keep
2: going I was about to have some fun with this one, but I better leave it alone. Uh let's, A go, back house to, switch. let's go back to Let's go back to, let's go back to eighteen thirty six. Oh yeah, okay. Perfect year. And me. defenders in this Texas area call for help. The Alamo. The Alamo. Yes. You're absolutely correct. 1868, do you remember the last president who was impeached, mostly for removing the Secretary of War? Do you know who that was? Oh, wow. 1868 was the year.
4: All I need to know is who replaced Abraham Lincoln, and and I'm blanking on the name. Andrew
2: Johnson. Andrew Johnson is his name. Uh,
4: 1838, DuPont started making
2: these out of nylon, so we didn't have to use hogs' hair in order to clean this very important uh, part,
4: thing that we have to have to eat. I guess it's the end of our toothbrushes. Yeah, DuPont started making nylon toothbrushes. Is there irony in Six. using
2: the hog's hair to clean our clean yeah, right. ourselves? Gosh, tell me about it. That's kind of weird, isn't it? 1959, Khrushchev tells the West no meaning over Germany. Drawing a hard line there. Nineteen eighty eight, the Supreme Court ruled it's okay to satirize public figures. That was an eight to zero decision, so this is why comedians can make fun of people with uh, impunity. And nineteen 19- Yeah, they all had jokes backed up. That's why it was eight to nothing. Exactly. Nineteen ninety one, this storman guy sent u.s troops into iraq that's your big hint well Storman can only mean norman norman Schwarzkopf. Schwarzkopf. you're absolutely correct that was 1991. Uh, another piece of evidence
4: that we are both older than dirt that's okay though not everybody gets to be older than dirt yeah that's true very true to be old man well chris
2: you have yourself a great weekend, you and too. I extend this greeting to everybody else within the sound of my voice. Hope you've got some leisure plans, some relaxation. I'm probably going to pay a visit to uh, hang out with a friend in some other city today, and and I got some uh, also some preparation for the weekend ahead. So, hope you guys have a restful time, a wonderful, relaxing time as well, and God bless you. Adios.
1: This